This is Digitized Transmission Radio. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. Um, I realise we're more welcoming me back to the podcast at this stage. Um, it's been quite a uh, little break, hasn't it? And I do sincerely apologise, but life's got in the way. These things happen. Um, but I've moved house. We are in sunny Todmorden now. We are absolutely loving it. Been going down to the Golden Lion and all that good stuff. So yeah, feeling really settled and getting there with stuff. So the podcast is coming back. I haven't forgotten about it. I do definitely want to still continue it. And uh, yeah, so this is a chat I recorded before I moved house or just as we were moving house. Um, it's with my good friend, Mark Knox. And I know Mark from DJing in Manchester. He used to be a resident DJ for Prohibition. Um, he's Italian and an all-round good egg. Um, he's helped me so many times over the years. I remember my hard drive failed on one of my laptops and he fished it out, got all my data, replaced it and was just an absolute hero and basically saved like five years of production for me. So yeah, he, he is an all-round legend. We had a chat, he's been on a similar path to me with studying, so we had a little chat about studying, of course, Italy and food. Um, yeah, enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, sir. It's nice Hello. to have you here. Thank you for having me here. You're very welcome in sunny Manchester, and it's not been a bad day today, actually. No, it? actually, it was surprised because yesterday when I came back from Italy, it was bloody raining, so <laughs> I was expecting more, but yes. I saw you in Italy a couple of weeks ago with your dad. I think he came over, did he? Yes, my final, finally I convinced my dad to come over, and yeah. actually he loved the city, yeah. and I'm really happy about it because, you know... Last time that my mom's came here, she was like, oh, I don't understand why you love this city. And I told her, "Mom, you need to leave the city in order to love it. Instead, <laughs> when, my, 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 when my dad came over, he sipped the first beer and he was like, oh, man, I love this city. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. So how long have you been in Manchester without them? So the 15th of September, I did eight years. Oh, wow. Yes. So we we moved to Manchester within two weeks of each other. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's mad. And whereabouts in Italy are you from? So I come from a, a little town called Treviso. It's north Venice, basically, about 30 kilometers north Venice. Okay. Me and, me and Wendy have decided we just want to go and tour Italy in the camper van and the main reason is Stanley Tucci yeah I know the, that <laughs> the Searching for Italy series it, oh my god it's so beautiful isn't it it is oh, actually if you have a camper a camper van you'll love it <laughs> yeah because it's not just you know the cities the places it's also the travel there because like the panorama that it is beautiful yeah it's amazing so obviously you grew up in Italy yep. and that's where you started DJing what was your route into DJing then? So when I was really young, we were talking about 15. Yeah. I was in a punk band. I okay. Was guitar and voice of a punk band. And I was a proper metalhead, like, oh, electronic music, that's the devil. I don't understand how they do the tunes and that's it. At some point, though, you know, I was studying guitar, bass guitar and drums. And I was like, do you know what? How do they do these sounds? How, 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 how the wobs are made? We talk about electronic music and most of the time it seems like you push a red button and that's it. The computer does everything. But it's not as simple as that. So I tried to study it 
And this was when I was in my early 20s. And I discovered a new world of possibilities, freedom. Because, like, you know, you, you take the basic form, basic shape of sound, and you transform it and make it a, a, a song. And that is absolutely amazing. You it know? really is, Mind-boggling. Punk band, were you, what, what did you mainly play? So I do remember, actually, my last most beautiful concert back day. Yeah. And we were the opening act of Radio Clash, which is the official Clash copper band in Italy. We were playing, like, Black Flag... Uh, Ramones, The Clash, and Sex Pistols. Wow. Yes. And when we played, I remember Blitzkrieg Bob by Ramones, we had a standing ovation <laughs> because all the, the other people that were playing there, they were like literally, technically, they were amazing. Technique, everything, like good. But they were like woodchucks on the stage. Like they were standing <laughs> still playing the guitar, the bass, and whatever. At least, like, you know, young girls, because we were in three. Yeah. And we were like shaking our heads, you know, dancing that, around the stage, you know, that energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bringing the show in. Yeah, even know. though Blitzkrieg Bob is it's not that difficult song <laughs> to play, I'll tell you that. So it sounds like you got to quite a reasonable level with it. You must have been gigging a lot. Well, I wouldn't say a lot, but I was about to. More than probably what most people in their bands with their mates do. A 15. I, I think that if we were keeping on going, probably we'd, we would have ended up playing a lot. So were you writing your own music or was it just covers? It was at the start. When we split up, basically, we were starting to write our own music. I always want to collaborate with people when I'm writing music and then sometimes I do and I'm just like... I'd do this differently and then I get yeah. like, I don't know, it's, it's hard, isn't it? So. Well, now that you mentioned it, collaborate with other artists, it is a difficult thing because there are two mindsets that play together. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's the beauty of it, but the madness of it is like, they can go along. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of the time, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it kind of started with punk for you, and then you moved into the electronic side. So where did DJing come into it? So it was 2012. And that was that while the band was still going on? or No, the band was split up Done. big time, big but, time, yeah. Okay. I do remember at the time, my girlfriend said, do you know what, I want to go to a disco, because we were barely 18, so we wanted to go to a disco. And I said, well... You know what? F it, let's go. You know. <laughs> and for the first time I went to the disco and it was the K Club okay. in Yesolo on the sea. And I do remember I got in, but the thing is that I was asking myself, why these people are dancing? What sort of music was it? It was general house music, like okay. commercial house music. So when I went home the day after or two days after, I just Went on the internet and I started to study it. Then I discovered uh, what finger drumming is. So I bought myself and I started to create on Ableton into it more and more until I bought a Mini Nova, the synth, and I started to fiddle around with it and, and I just fell in love. From there, I started to DJ at home, like literally watching videos, watching other people do it. And... I just found some friends that friends that could teach me, <laughs> that could lend me a pioneer set so I can try it out. And yeah. I 
before I realized I was disco as a resident DJ. And from then on, I just grew up until the Mark Knox I am now. <laughs> so it sounds like you've kind of got into DJing through production. Yes. Because I think for me, I've definitely got into production from DJing. Yeah. So it, it, it's always nice when, you know, fellow people do it a different way because... The, the bit I take from it is you're the talented one and I'm the idiot trying to chase it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no, no. You know, I used to play drums badly. Deck will attest to that many times, you know. He... That most of us has this feeling and that's the imposter syndrome. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, if we are here, if we are doing this, it means that we know, we understand something about it. So yeah. don't put yourself down. <laughs> you're a good one. But I also can't play a melodic instrument and that shows when I make drum and bass. So how is DJing in Italy compared to the UK? Do I need to be like out of my teeth or should I be like shielded? <laughs> Let's say that when I came here in Manchester, yeah. the only thing I wanted it was like becoming someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to be honest, I'm pretty, you know, proud of who I am now the DJ I am now, and the only thing I wanted is go back in Italy as a, you know, exotic DJ now. You know, I'm a um, multi, how can I say, like, all-around DJ. Yeah, go yeah. back there, smash the dance floor, go out, away with my head held high and just say, like, well, now is your time to pay. <laughs> and also, now is your time to pay all those times that I got inside here and never got paid, you know. Yeah, yeah. I feel the pain on getting paid for gigs. That is always... Is the age-old story of like, we're paying you with exposure, but exposure doesn't pay fuel for the car, doesn't pay for drinks and everything else, you know? As a promoter who has to rely on friends' goodwill an awful lot, it breaks my heart that I can't pay my friends as much as I know they deserve. See, but this is a different approach in Italy, because in Italy, like, well, we can't pay you, so sorry, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, it's rough to be a promoter. It's a tough gig. It is so tough, and everyone hates you. <laughs> yeah, of course everyone hates you, because maybe, like, so I had a chat not long ago with my, basically, when I was in Italy, I was playing with this crew. Yeah. And the head of his crew was this guy that at the time I was really close to. Uh, not long ago, we finally settled down the grudges that we had. And it was nice, actually, because he actually said sorry to me. So, you know, yeah, it's fine. The thing is that we had this chat and I was like, dude, you were paying like the photographers. You were paying the promoters. And I hadn't been paid not once. Why? How come that? And he said to me, like, well, it is tough. Because even if I paid the photographer, it was like not a hot, awful lot. Yeah. It was like near nothing. So, you know, at the end of the day, we didn't have money. I didn't get paid either because he was one of the DJs. So I was like, I wasn't doing it for the, for the money. I was doing it for the honor, basically. Yeah. Uh, the approach I've started taking now with gigs is, are you doing this for money? And if so, you're paying me. If you're doing it for the love then I'll do it for the love with you. But it's when one party is taken advantage, that's when it becomes well, difficult. And when people rely on music to be their income, it's even harder. And That's the thing, though. When you book a DJ, you tell him, you know, oh, there is this gig going on, blah, 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 do you want to play? 
the DJ will tell you, yeah, I would love to play. What's the budget, though? And there, you need to say, dude, we're doing it for the love of music, whatever. Or you tell him, this is the budget, and that's it. And you start to, you know. Yeah, you got to be clear with people. At the start. So you, while you've been in the UK, have been studying. Yes. And I believe... You studied at, at SEM when it was Manchester Midi School. Yeah, <laughs> for those who don't know what SEM is, it is School of Electronic Music. How was your experience there? I loved it. I do think sometimes music theory it is a whole lot to take, and you don't know where to start. Their terminologies, most of them are in Italian, so I'm easier <laughs> for me, you know. But at the same time, I do remember, for example, the amount of time I spent understanding what a compressor is. I went there and they said that basically a compressor is a little box with this guy inside named Bill. And basically there is the threshold when this little red light inside this box turn on and Bill turns down the volume when the red light turns on. Then there is the attack, which is how drunk Bill is, how much is drunk. So slow reflexes. And then there is the release. That is basically how heavy the fader this bill moves is. And from that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I understood everything, you know. But Bill's just in every compressor built. Yes. <laughs> just a little stick man with a smile. Depends face. though, because if you have a Joe Meek compressor, it's not Bill, it's Joe. <laughs> and just from these words, I understood that it was nice. <laughs> it, was, it would have been easy, it would have been right, and everything else. So, yeah, shout out to Sam, because they did good work. Yeah. For compression, by the way, just because I love to tell people this one, the easiest way I've had it is your threshold is how loud it is before your mum comes in and tells you to turn it down. <laughs> <laughs> your ratio is how much you turn it down when she bursts in, and the release is how quickly you put it up once she's left the room. And then, are you studying at Spirit? So right now I'm studying at FutureWorks, though I'm doing something completely different. Now I'm doing sound design and soundtrack for video games. It's so popular, isn't it? I know, but it's so freaking good. <laughs> so interesting. Being going through it, eat every bit of information, absorb everything I could, because it's so nice. Yeah. And also, as an all-around, because like we've been in the studio recording bands, we've been in the vocal booth recording vocal lines for this video game. We were studying on Ariane Engine through Blueprints, or now we're studying FMOD. Yeah. It's so nice. It's so interesting. And for people who don't know Future Works, I did go to the open day there when I was thinking of doing a degree. They are a university in central Manchester. Yeah. And they have some of the nicest analog gear. I think that still works. <laughs> that people can actually. Last year we went into the Custom Pre, it's called the studio. It's basically, you know, the standard recording studio you can imagine. But the name Custom Pre is because all the preamp are custom made for the school. <laughs> and they sound so good. <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? I remember in the main studio, they've got like the 90-odd channel Neve Monster. Yes, that's um, the Neve studio. Yeah, and for people who aren't into music production or recording studios, we've probably lost you now. But for the four people out there, check it out online. It is an absolute beast. You put out a little remix, I believe, recently. A remix. Yes. So shout out to Husk. <laughs> He's my mate and 
basically, uh, I met this guy back in the days when I was uh, working at the eighth day. He's a singer, yeah. who do synth pop. And you know, at some point I said to him, like, do you know what? May, may I remix one of your track? And he sent me his track and I did it. I was pretty happy about it. Two years after, he said to me, listen, I have a new song out. Do you want to do the remix? Yeah. And I did. And in the order of a month on Spotify only, yeah. we got 18,500 listens. Which in is one insane. Month. It's about a thousand listen a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put it into perspective for people who don't fully understand how hard it is on Spotify. This is one of the stats that I came across recently. It's now estimated, I think, it's 100,000 songs are released onto Spotify every day. So, like, as an artist, we, we are just up against this massive flow of music all the time. Everything is new. It's not, not in the order, like, because usually we were talking about you know, rivers of music now is oceans of music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's madness. Is it still going well for you? You you enjoying that remix? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I don't want to say that I listen to it every day, but, you know... 500 of them plays a day. Well, 500 <laughs> of them is me, definitely. 500 of them are my mom, because she's so proud of his little boy. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. That's cute. Um, any more music planned? We have lined a new remix, me and Husk, and um, it's called Let's Get Married. Yeah. So, you know, it will be the best remix at the best time. <laughs> When's that due out? Can't say yet. Can you promise that we can put it out on the podcast as track of the week when it is ready to come out? Defo. Perfect. I'm holding you to that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Good, 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 good. So, yeah, in terms of music, you just got that stuff going or what? what? Are you mainly now focused on university, or are you still making? Well, you know, it's the day-by-day -day struggle. You need to juggle everything. Yeah. So a fourth is music, a fourth is just life. Yeah. And then I study at the same time. You need to divide your time, which is when you realize that 24 hours in a day is not enough. No. Nope. But, you know... You need to manage that. <laughs> but yeah, there is more music definitely coming, so stay tuned, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What sort of stuff are you at the minute? Funny enough, yeah, because you know <laughs> that I told you I do drum and bass, but I never played it. Actually, my next release, apart from the remixes, it is a drum and bass. Okay. So what sort of style? More melodic. More melodic. Perfect. Fox Stevenson's kind. Ah, oh, love a bit of Fox Stevenson. Nah, the man. whole liqui liquidity vibe and... Yes. Yes. It yes. makes my day every day. I wake up and when I walk to work, when I walk to university, I listen to Fox Stevenson's and the day turns into bright. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. He put an album out recently, didn't he? Yep. Maybe, well, a few months ago now. But what I find with Fox Stevenson and Danny Bird... Yep. This always happens. They put something new out, and I'm always like, ooh, not sure about that. I'm not sure. And then three months later, I hear it again, and I'm like, this is the best piece of work you've ever done. Oh, my God, I was such an idiot. Well, break it down for us. Every person has two states when they listen to music. They have passive listening and active listening. Yeah. Passive listening is basically when, apart from a lot of other stuff when you want comfort in music so you try to find 
something that you know already. Yeah, yeah. Because you've, you're trying to find that comfort. But active listening is when you're basically dissectioning the track, trying to understand everything. Yeah. But also, you're more open to listening to new things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and definitely. then is when you realize, oh, this, this is a freaking banger, you know? And it's funny you've just explained it like that to me, because normally when I actually do listen to these things properly, it is normally when I'm planning a set and I'm actively looking for exactly. new music. So yeah, maybe I just need to break out of my comforts a bit more. Well, I do go with the flow. Like sometimes I close myself in my comfort zone so much that I go back into metal. <laughs> I don't know if you were there for it, but it was one of our Man With The Fish events and we had the digitized rail replacement service. So it was my brother Deck DJing instead of me and Dave's brother Mike DJing instead of him. Have you heard Deck DJ before? Yes, I was there. I didn't open the night. I was like, I think, second in line. Yes. I think, oh, all of them events have just merged into one in my head. Yeah. They were so like close together. But yes, correct. But what's your views on kind of the metal stroke, punk stroke, indie crossover with drum and bass? People like Box Plot and Protostar. And- I love Cell Dweller. I love... Pendulum. I love all that shit. So Muzzy is the last one I was listening to. It's, good, good, good. It is, you know, my past with my band and now. everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for me as well, like, I, I've said this before, I, I'm finding drum and bass to be going down this route. I think it's coming out of it now a little bit, but everything's been, like, so dark, minimal, deep. Yeah. And then, like, that stuff just has insane energy to it, and it's like... That is what I want. I want the absolute bag of energy. I do think that that's the beauty of drum and bass, because like, you can do whatever you want with it. Yeah. Well, you can do with a lot of other genres. That is completely true. But like, drum and bass brings the, that energy already, like the inherited energy, yeah. that you can basically change it in everything. You can rap on it, you can metal on it, you can pop it on it. As we, 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 we were talking about it before, you listen to Fox Stevenson and everything is brightish and sunny. Yeah. You listen to Cell Dweller and you want to crush every head, you know. <laughs> Depends on what, what you want to feel, to be yeah, honest. Exactly. No, I completely agree with you. I am going to circle back around to some of your Italian heritage and I'm going to ask you to some uncomfortable questions. <laughs> if you had to lose one out of risotto, pizza and pasta, what would you be getting rid of? I know I'm uncommon, <laughs> but I would never say no to pizza. Yeah. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> <laughs> but pasta is my day-by-day bread. Uh, I see what yeah. I did there. <laughs> no, I would lose the risotto. You'd lose risotto? Yes. I mean, I, it's not that I don't like it, yeah. but for me it's boring. Boring? Oh, I'll tell that. Bloody hell, you... You, they're going to take your Italian passport off you. They did already. <laughs> We've got that check now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it's obviously a big question that's about to come up. Pineapple on pizza? No. <laughs> Straight no. It may be good, but... What about like nice caramelised roasted pineapple? Not straight out of a tin or anything, mm. but I'm going to break your heart. When I make pizza, I quite often do pineapple on pizza. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, for and, uh, me, it's a we big do like no. a really nice roasted pineapple 
Yeah. To be honest, I tried it. Yes, I did like it. It goes along. But like at the same time, I think the problem is the tradition more than what you put on. At the end of the day, pizza is just bread with some tomato sauce and fillings on top. Yeah. What is your go-to pizza? Oh my God, that's tough. <laughs> I, I would say probably Diavola, which is basically pepperoni, spicy pepperoni. Or, oh my God, now I... You're making me drool in my cell now. <laughs> Do you wanna? So me and Wendy, the other week, we we'd been out the night before, and we we're feeling a little bit delicate, and we would, we wanted comfort TV, so we decided we were just gonna rewatch Stanley Tucci's Searching for Italy, mm. and it starts with Naples, mm-hmm. and he just tucks into this pizza, and we both just look at each other and go, "Should we go out and get pizza?" <laughs> <laughs> Is what pizza does to you, yeah. So, for those in Manchester, where is your current favourite pizza? I have three places. The best one is Double Zero, definitely. The problem is that it is in Charles, and so it's like missions away from mine. So, it's out of the chart. Do you, the want, top three. do you want a very sneaky hint for when you go to Double Zeros? Don't eat in the restaurant. Go to the pub next door where they let you eat. So then you can have a nice pint in the pub. They bring the pizza around for you. Oh, sneaky, but clever. <laughs> so I, I do agree. I think Double Zeros in Shortland is also my favourite pizza. Yeah. So one for one with it, we're there. Yeah. I think two you're so, going to say Rudy's. That's, that's out of the, the chart because, as I said, like either you go to Shortland or uh, you can't have it. So in the city centre, though, there is I Need Pizza. It's not the worst. It is okay. a good middle ground. Then I would say... Ciao pizza, but the best one definitely needs to be Noi Quattro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, see, I, I think I flip flop between Ciao and Noi Quattro. Again, I don't know. Well, it's probably the gigantic pizza ovens. Mm. I always find Noi Quattro too hot to sit in. Yeah, that's why we order it. <laughs> <laughs> I understand there's a blazing hot pizza oven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of fire there. <laughs> Have you ever had the bread they make that is? Yeah, it's brilliant. It's amazing, isn't it? And I'll tell you one more. Go on. The bruschetta they do with that bread. Hint, hint to every listener. Go to Noi Quattro and get a bruschetta. <laughs> do you reckon they'll sponsor the podcast and just give us free... Who knows? I'll let you speak Italian to them and, you know, that might go down better than... I'll go in and I'll do... Eh, bip, bada, digitize. And everything will be sorted. So if you have listened to the podcast before, there's a couple of regular questions that we're going to get into. Our good friend WBBL posted on social media about not necessarily anyone's fault, but sometimes when you end, you end up at a gig and you don't have the best time and it can be for a number of reasons. It can be you not feeling it. I do just think it's really important that we should talk about our bad gigs. Right. So what is one of your worst gigs? It was a private business event. Yeah. It was like a Christmas business event of this company. I, I don't I, know. I'm name. just seeing red flag after red flag. It was like in this nice place. It was Hattie Regency down in front of the Royal Northern College of Music. Okay. And it wasn't their fault. Like Hattie Regency staff were amazing. Yeah. And I say amazing because we'll get back up at this later on. The thing is that, like, I show up, and, you know, it was Christmas, so I had all the Christmas song was, like, d- dinner and then dance. Yeah. So I put all the Christmas song before, during the dinner, because it was 
a nice Christmassy atmosphere. And then I had the standard British playlist, which is basically all the d- disco, the b- disco. Agadu. <laughs> yeah. All disco bangers, then some 90s, 2000s. And before I started to play, like, for real, not just the Christmassy shit that I hate, but they were so pissed already. Yeah. But, like, out the chart. And I remember I started with 90s, and they were like, oh, we don't really like these things. Can you play something more actual? And I played, like, some really good remixes by Rivera Star. It was so good as an intro, as to keep and start making people move. We don't really like this, they say. I was like, <laughs> then what you want? Don't you have any 90s bangers? And I was like, it is what I was playing before. <laughs> yeah, but can you play that? Yeah, yeah, I can do that. And I started to play 90s back. Then they started to dance, have a laugh, drink some more. And keep in mind that this was, I think, 200 people, where 190 were girls. Right. Which is... Nothing bad about it. But it is the type of girl that were there. You know, poshy, snobby. Just anyone on a Christmas do. It, it was literally what you hate when you're a DJ. People who don't come out regularly and, yeah, Christmas do's, I just don't even go to them anymore. Yes, you have all my to be sympathy honest, I do, already. But I try to support the DJ from there. <laughs> <laughs> And basically, the whole four hours I was there, they were, like, not happy with the music. If even if I was playing what they were asking me to play, yeah. it was the first night that I wanted to literally put in the pre-mixed, go back in the back room and cry my eye out. Yeah. Because it was so bad. I think that is the power of a British <laughs> Christmas my party. God, it was so awful. The power to just make but DJs cry. But the thing cry. is, like, there is nothing bad. I mean, I was playing for them. So there is nothing bad to go to the DJ and tell them, listen, this is not really what we would like. Or would could you please play something different like this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But cope with me at that point. <laughs> Alcohol can do two things. Either open your horizons and just make you happy with whatever or make you so picky and yeah that time i went out and the management that's why i was shouting out to them there was this spanish manager i can't remember his name but he was a hero i had to stop half 11 and i I turned down the volume and everybody was like oh no we have the place until midnight and the manager was like yes but we need to stop now because, you know, half an hour to... No, 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 no. Keep on playing. And I was between... And, you know, because from one point it was like, what should I do? Yeah, like, yeah. I, I don't mind staying a half an hour before, a half an hour more, though I'm not paid. So I don't know what I need to do. And I, I, everything was so heated that they came over to the booth, shoved me off, and they were using my laptop they were touching my brand new MacBook and my equipment. I was like, I'm literally going to kill somebody tonight. At the end, this manager came over and told them to F off. <laughs> you are going out now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, that was the worst one. I can genuinely see some of the stress on your face still. Like, Dude. it sounds horrendous. And, yeah, that's a really bad gig. 
I think we've got a yin and yang gear. What, yeah. is, what is your best gig? Well, I think my best gig ever has been when I opened to Bob Sinclair back in Italy. There's Whereabouts was that? Anima in Spresiano, mm-hmm. just north of Treviso. It's a big, big disco. I think they have like something like six or seven floors. Wow. Outside area, pool, like massive. But that night I was in the main stage yeah, opening yeah. to Bob Sinclair. And I did my little set yeah. expecting much because at that point I was like, yes, like every time I will not get paid. I'll stay here, listen to the night, drink some drinks and then go home. Yeah. So after I finished, of course, I've been shoved off by the security from the stage. And I went to the... I went to the dance floor, danced a bit, a drink, and then went to the smoking area. In, our, in Anima, the smoking area is another dance floor, <laughs> but in that was dead empty. There's a bar inside there. So I was smoking a cigarette, drinking a beer. Mr. Bob Sinclair came in. Yeah. And he recognized me and told me, the DJ, they played before me. And, well, I'm talking to you now in English, but at that time I didn't speak English as much as I'm, I'm doing it now. So I was like, in, a, in the most macaroni English you can imagine, I was like, eh, yes, it was me. It is a pleasure to meet you. And he went like, oh, good set, good set. May I offer you a drink? And he offered me a, a Desperados beer. Oh, amazing. And I still have the Desperado sticker on my old <laughs> headphones. It's like a memento mori, you know? Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I will never forget that night. That's amazing, mate. Also because, you know, Anima is a big disco, so it was like 2,000 people there. Massive crowd. And then the DJ, the actual famous DJ came over and said, you had done a good job, may I offer you something because you did great. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the podcast is a mixed series. What is in your mix? <laughs> so, I promised you at some point you listened to me mixing a bit of drum and bass, so I prepared something heavier yeah, yeah. than what I usually play. And the mix is a title, which is Releasing My Inner Demons. So I'm going to play this kind of things. So can we expect some like punk crossover stuff? And Definitely some rock in it. Definitely some rock. Okay. Okay, I'm excited to hear it. I'm excited to hear it. I think that's everything I've got. Is there anything you want to talk about? No, actually, I'm really glad about this. <laughs> and thank you again for having me. You're welcome. I hope you all enjoy the set I've prepared for you. And until next time. Yeah, amazing, mate. Thank you so much for coming on. And thanks for your time. It's been a pl- the next hour or so of music is going to be from the man Mark Knox. I will be dropping all of his socials in the bio from wherever you're listening to this. Please do go follow him, check him out. He makes some amazing music. And yeah, stay up to date. Thank you very much. Thank you.